Welcome to the June 2019 edition of Outbeat News In-Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, it is Pride Month and the start of Pride Week here in the Bay Area, and there is so much to remember and celebrate this year. It's really hard to believe it's been a half century since those riots at the Stonewall Inn that drew national attention to our fight for LGBTQ rights and equality. Well, tonight we're going to celebrate with two guests. The first is a local rising vocalist who recently returned to the North Bay after living in Texas. He's here to share his story and a song for this start of Pride Week. And in the second half of our hour, we're going to talk with one of the founders of the Academy, a new type of LGBTQ social club located in the heart of the Castro. They're drawing people into a new kind of space for connection that isn't focused on alcohol or just hooking up. So stay with us. It's all coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, June 23rd, 2019. This is Greg Moralia with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of June 23rd, 2019. Last week, the Supreme Court punted on a case that could have decided whether the U.S. Constitution's Religious Freedom Clause gives Christian business owners the right to discriminate against LGBTQ people, even when a state law explicitly prohibits it. The case was Klein versus the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries, which involves an Oregon baker, Sweet Cakes by Melissa, whose operators Melissa and Aaron Klein were fined $135,000 by the state for refusing to serve Rachel and Laurel Bowman Cryer, a same-sex couple who sought a wedding cake for their marriage in June of 2013. The court decided neither to hear the case nor deny it, but rather to send it back to a lower court to examine whether the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries and the state civil rights authorities displayed any anti-religious animus while making their decision. And while this decision may eventually adversely impact same-sex couples wishing to marry, perhaps the biggest impact on marriage equality came in an entirely different case and Justice Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion in it. The case in question was about legal double jeopardy, in which you can't be tried twice for the same crime. This originated in Alabama, where a man had faced both federal and state gun charges stemming from the same traffic stop. By a vote of 7-2, to two, the court upheld the current interpretation of law. But Justice Thomas wrote a separate concurring opinion that went far beyond the issue at hand. Just because the law has always been interpreted that way, Thomas wrote, doesn't mean that it should be. Thomas argued that respecting legal precedent, known as the term stare decisis, shouldn't be sacred. And what's the case that Thomas suggested proved that point? Why, Obergefell versus Hodges, the case that made marriage equality a national right. Thomas suggested that the court had overstepped its duty in that case, and he wrote, quote, It's always tempting for judges to confuse our own preferences with the requirements of law, end quote. And he cited specifically the Obergefell case. It's well known that Justice Thomas has been an opponent of any LGBTQ rights. What's important about this latest complaint is that he's setting the ground to revisit the Obergefell ruling if the opportunity arises. 
And here locally, this week marks the beginning of Pride celebrations in San Francisco. Most of the activity will be happening this coming weekend, starting on Saturday with a Pride Festival at Civic Center Plaza, opening at 12 noon and running until 6 p.m. And then on Sunday, the annual Pride Parade marches down Market Street from Embarcadero to Civic Center, beginning at 10.30 a.m. This is one of the largest Pride Parades in the world and often lasts well into the afternoon. The Pride Festival continues in that afternoon starting at 12 noon and ends at 6 p.m. You can learn more about the entertainment schedule by going to sfpride.org. Public transportation is the best way to get to San Francisco next weekend. Golden Gate Ferry will be running extra boats, and BART will have extra long trains. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. Well, my first guest tonight is, uh, I'm, I'm going to call him a new friend. Uh, we met while working together at Face to Face, and I quickly discovered that he has a wonderful voice. Uh, he's a rising vocalist. I think he's going to be a rising star, and so I wanted to jump on the opportunity first to have him on the show and, and offer him a chance to share his story. So, Glenn Arias, welcome to Outbeat Radio. Thank you so much. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, and a lot to talk about. I mean, you really have kind of an interesting story. You grew up in California, but then found yourself in Texas. So tell us how that happened, and then, and then how did you get back here to Sonoma County? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, so I grew up in L.A. Um, we have a really big family, um, and there was a lot of violence when I was a kid, a lot of riots and whatnot. And uh, so we quickly moved from L.A. Uh, to the Sonoma County area, uh, Santa Rosa particularly, and brought our big family here. Um, and I kind of lived here until uh, I went to high school and some college. And then um, my older brother, who's kind of my hero, uh, he had uh, his wife was pregnant. So um, I wanted to be the cool uncle and be able to be right by the, uh, my niece's side and um, watch her grow. So I stayed and I got a good two years and he had another kid. And then they hightailed it to uh, Seattle. <laughs> okay. And so I ended up uh, staying there for a couple more years. Now, and, there is in Texas. Yeah, yeah, Texas. And whereabouts <clears throat> in Texas? It's so, a huge state. Yeah, I started off in Louisville, Texas. Okay. Uh, and then I gradually moved towards Arlington in the Dallas area. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So <clears throat> when did you come out in amongst all of this? Um, so I came out to my family. I probably came out like in college. Um, my poor mom, I really never came out to her. So sometimes I would come home with a, you know, a girl and then sometimes I'd come home with a guy and I just kind of never really said it's anything best to keep them guessing anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And she, I mean, uh, she's was a great, great soul about it. I mean, that's pretty difficult to deal with, you know, like the, uh, you know, she always, um, requested that I, you know, she's like, maybe you should go see a therapist or something. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. But, um, I eventually came out, came out, uh, to, uh, my family. Um, it was probably a couple of years, a couple of years after that, you know, okay. I, I think I was around 19, um, when I came out and, um, t- to my surprise, like my family wasn't very surprised by it. They were just like, Oh, okay, cool. We kind of knew, but, uh, and I was like, do you know how long I have, like, tried not to be, you know, act gay or be gay? So that was kind of um, kind of funny. Um, but I, I guess I've been more out um, 
and about um, probably in the last couple of years, I've been more like fluid about it um, and just being out at work and out with friends and openly gay. So mm-hmm. um, it's been kind of a more recent experience for me. And now you've come out to the whole world on the radio. <laughs> yeah, it's official now. It's yeah. official now. I yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> talk about being out in Texas. Uh, you told me that you worked in sort of a gay enclave. So tell us yeah. where that was and what that was like. Yeah, so um, it was very interesting, uh, to say the least. I was uh, So I kind of worked in what they call the gayborhood, the locals, uh, mm-hmm. and it was in the Oaklawn area. Um, so we had a lot of um, gay clubs in the area, and I worked kind of at a Thai restaurant right uh, on the corner there. Um, so I didn't really experience too much homophobia um, just because I was so immersed in, in the gay atmosphere. So for me, it was more of like gay on gay bullying. Um, there was an instance where uh, there was somebody who was actually attacking gay people as they left um, work in that neighborhood, and he would hit them in the back of the head. Um, was something wow. and, and yeah, and then beat them till they were like hospitalized. Um, so that was probably the most homophobic, but it turned out that that guy was gay. Like they found out, you know, that he was like a homeless gay guy that was actually hitting other mm. gay guys. So it was more of like bullying from other gay people that so I realized. What does that look like? I mean, um, some examples of what that is. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, for me, it would be like you'd go out and there would be just like a clique of people that just kind of sit there and they just talk smack about other gay people and bring them down. And um, they're just kind of real rude and snotty to you. And um, I understand that for the most, you know, they've built this kind of wall and, and strength through what they've been through. Um, it was just unfortunate to see that they would be, you know, kind of becoming the people that were alienating them in in the first place. So they Mm -hmm. became the bullies Mm -hmm. there. Um, so you kind of have to learn how to be strong and how to learn to let things go and kind of be yourself as you work your way through like what it is to be gay for you and, uh, uh, openly gay, you know, so everybody does it different. Sure. Did you like living in that enclave? Um, it was... It was difficult, but it was it was fun. I learned a lot about myself. You know, I learned a lot about what it and a lot. I had a was able to see a lot of strength and just confidence in in these uh, and other gay people, and it, and that was really great to see and admirable to see, which made you just want to be more confident yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it definitely was difficult to. There's a lot of temptation. <laughs> in that type of environment. And so at, at the time I was definitely trying to focus on working and being faithful and being a good person and try to figure out what it was like to be gay for me. Um, which wasn't necessarily like busting through the wall and a a G string and boa, but I definitely wanted to be like, you know, comfortable telling people that I was gay. So it was, um, I did learn a lot, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as I wasn't out there and, you know, clubbing every night. Okay. <clears throat> well, you, you say that you want to remain faithful. Was that, were you in a relationship? Oh then? yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and it, and it was funny. It's funny that you would pick that place, you know, to like, I don't know, to be like in a really serious relationship and, and you're working in the gayborhood, but it ended and ended up, I ended up on my feet and I'm happy with who I am now because of it. But it it was definitely like temptation Island. <laughs> oh <laughs> for yeah. Sure. yeah. 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 So what brought you back to Sonoma County? 
Um, so I ended up going through kind of a difficult time. Um, I was, you know, outwardly you would think I was doing really well. I was working really hard. He seems like a happy guy. Um, but inwardly I was just super miserable with myself Mm. and I did not like what I saw in the mirror and I felt like I was living for other people. Um, and it kind of all just came to this, you know, I ended up just quitting all my jobs and kind of going through it and, And so my mom came to save the day and she basically was like, well, just come out, you know, for the holidays and, you know, just stay for a month or two and we can just kind of work it out together and get back on your feet. And so she sounds like a great lady. She is an amazing, amazing woman. She's gone. That woman has put up with a lot to say the least. And she's saved my life multiple times. And and this was just one of one of the um, many experiences but uh this time it really just like stuck you know I, I don't know what happened i came out here and you know i i just got it going you know and so i'm really i'm really happy that i'm out here good <laughs> to say the well, least sonoma county is a pretty nice place yeah, yeah yeah so what brought you to face to face um face to face it's kind of like man i i don't want to sound like too preachy but it almost felt like you know something bigger brought me to face to face you know i i know i knew that i wanted to be a part of something positive in the community um and and bringing out awareness and uh, um i would like wanted to learn as well you know um Mm -hmm. and so i i just gave face to face a try you know i really walked in and i just felt so good there just felt so welcoming and i was able to meet you and and a bunch of amazing people and mentors that's a great crew there that's for sure definitely just helped me like transform into like the person i really want to be so it 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 just i don't know i don't want to i don't want to say it's like god or something but something bigger we brought us together and Mm -hmm. really worked i i like to say it worked for both of us. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you're, you've immersed yourself in a whole bunch of different things. You're volunteering <clears throat> a lot of different places. You've got several jobs. You were mm-hmm. telling me about a third one tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's got to be a little bit difficult coming into a new area and trying to get your feet wet and you just sort of immerse yourself in everything. Mm-hmm. So what's it been like so far? Uh, it's been, it's been quite, uh, challenge. It's been very challenging, but in a good way. So, um, one of my big things is Bikram yoga that I found, which has helped me kind of maintain balance in my life in general. It's just, it's, it's a challenging practice, but it's got like so much, I don't know, uh, woo-saw moments to it. And there's like this euphoria after your class, you just feel like so great. It's like the best high ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've managed to use that like kind of, uh, navigating through a chaotic, crazy, challenging experience, but like le- learning to let go and, and be at peace at the same time. So it kind of mm. helped me with all of the things that I was dealing with, with all the jobs and meeting all the new people and, and surrounding myself with other positive people that really wanted to do the same thing with their lives. And, and yeah. And so it's been, it's been pretty cool. Well, we were sitting there one day uh, at Face to Face, and all of a sudden I heard this recording, and I stepped out of the office, and it was you singing. You've got a beautiful voice. So Thank talk you. about your draw to music. Where did that where did that <laughs> gift come from? How did you discover that? Oh, so uh, it's fun. I kind of just came out of the womb, like, singing, you know. Um, I was one of that really annoying younger brother <laughs> who was just running around the house singing at the top of his lungs. Um, and my mom actually really helped me, like, as I was younger, she was there to support that, you know, so she brought to, uh, you know, my 
brothers and sisters were horrified when she got the karaoke machine and when she put me into acting classes and whatnot. So I kind of knew as a young kid um, that that was something I liked to do. Um, And I kind of navigated through high school and kind of figured that out and was in theater. And then I, um, you know, was in college. I managed to luck into a couple of production, musical productions, but then I lost myself for a really long time. And as I came back here, I knew I wanted to be passionate as well and like express myself um, in a way that I just mm-hmm. couldn't explain. And so I got a singing coach and I go every Wednesday and he really helped me find my voice like inside, you know, our little studio and outside um, in the world and push. He's helped as well, like help push me to like achieve things. I thought I just thought like, you know, this ship has sailed. I'll never be able to do this. Like my dreams are gone. And he really helped me kind of morph into realizing, like, no, you know, it's never too late to follow your dreams. I like it's never that. too late to do the right thing. You yeah. Know? And it's never too late to sing on the radio for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I guess, apparently. So um, why, don't we, why don't we move toward that? Why don't you uh, get yourself in position at the mic here? And I'm going to ask you a little bit about this song. So it is Pride Week. It's Pride Month. And when we talked about a song that you might want to do, I suggested... Proud, which is one of our all-time favorites here uh, at Beat Radio. And you thought, well, I don't really know, but I'll try to check it out. You weren't really familiar with the song. And so as you learned about the song, tell me a little bit about um, <clears throat> what that song meant to you. What, what, what have you come to, to learn it to mean for you? Well, that song is so great because it really, like, it's one of those songs where it starts from the inside and kind of radiates. It's like that light like that you have, and it's kind of like kind of... I don't know, hidden behind whatever shadow that's going on in your life. And then in the song, it kind of like has this beautiful journey of like where it starts out, like I'm kind of just searching for it, this light. And then it kind of just explodes out and, and what are, and, and I'm proud about it um, now. And, and I just, it really, um, as much as I was like, Oh, I don't know the song. It was really great to get to know the song. I really um, found that it matched my life. Awesome. Right yeah. well, I cannot wait for you to hear it. So I don't want to wait anymore. Um, this is Glenn Arias with Heather Smalls, Proud. So many people 
If you make that break for freedom What have you done today to make you feel proud? Realize that to question is how you grow, how you grow. I step out of the ordinary, I can feel my soul ascending. I'm on my way, can't stop me now. You can do the same, yeah. What have you done today? Make you feel proud It's never too late to try What have you done today To make you feel proud Oh, mm, you could be so many people If you make that break for freedom What have you done today to make you feel proud? Yeah, we need a change. Yeah, so do it today. Yeah, I can feel my spirit rising. Change. Yeah, we need a change. Yeah, so do it today. Yeah, I can see a new horizon to make you feel proud. Let me hear. Let me hear you. Ooh, what have you done today to make you feel proud? Oh, mm, and you can be so many people if you make that break for freedom. What have you done today to make you feel proud? Wow. Wow. So, so catch your breath. All right. So what'd that feel like? Oh, man. I can't believe I just did that. (laughs) (laughs) Great. It was great. And it's a perfect for this, for this week. Um, I don't think we often take enough time for ourselves during the year. I mean, pride comes around. We go to a celebration or two, maybe in June, but we really forget all year round that you should feel proud every day, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, we've all felt really oppressed at probably one time or the other for who we are. And so being out and being able to to give yourself that pat on the back and that sense of pride is really important. Definitely. So what are you <clears throat> proud of this year in this pride season? Oh, what am I proud of? I am so proud of, I am proud of like so, so many things in my life. Um, I'm a prou- proud of like the other um, people in my life and other gay people out there that are just doing so so many amazing things um, out there and they're doing it with an open heart and an open soul and it's not something that they're doing to like try to you know be above or below or you know what I mean or separate um, from other people they're doing it to, to really build a community and build strength in a community um, at, at large and it's not just about gay people it's about rights and, and humanity itself mm-hmm. and so I'm really proud of that I get to be a part of that you know um, this is relatively new just because I'm 
just discovering who I am as a person. So I'm, I'm proud that I'm able to meet amazing people like yourself and I'm able well, to just, thank you for that. yeah, man, I just, you're doing so many great things and I get to just watch it and just, you know, be lifted by it, you know? And I feel like I see that ar- around in the gay community all the time. And I'm really proud of that. Now, one thing you told me that kind of surprised me, especially given where you lived in Texas, you know, in a neighborhood there, is you went to Sonoma County Pride, and that was your very first Pride celebration that you'd ever gone to. Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> Which so, is, and it's kind of funny because I didn't really even get to enjoy. I mean, not that I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't get to like go to the Pride uh, itself because I volunteered there and then I had to work, so I missed like the festivities. Um, but I am going next, uh, I'm going, is it next week? It's next yeah, week, it's right? this weekend. It's this weekend coming up. Yeah, so I'm going, the big, the big one, the big kahuna, uh, I'll be able to go to, which will be exciting. <clears throat> so what did you, what was your experience like then? I mean, you were volunteering. Mm-hmm. What was it like to, you obviously got a chance to see some of it. Yeah. The I'm, festival was decent size and. Well, I got to see, so I got to set up the day before. So I helped set up around the big stage, and um, I got to see what it would be like if you were there. Okay. Um, but I didn't really get to see any. I have a friend who um, performed, and so I got a chance to see uh, vicariously um, through through him sharing what he did. Um, so that was great. Okay, so um, let's be clear. San Francisco Pride is really going to be the first <laughs> Pride that you've actually been to to witness live. Right. So so the whole plan is, like, Saturday I'm going to a barbecue, and then I'm just going to be open to, like, you know, the experience, and I got off work. And then Sunday I'll be volunteering pretty much all day, but I'll be at the celebration site, yeah. so I'll be able to, like see it <laughs> oh you're gonna see it already <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah it's really one of the biggest <clears throat> celebrations um and one of the oldest ones in the country and um i'm actually gonna get to march with san francisco pd again this year because i think it's so important that law enforcement is out and part of the community and they have their new pride pat uniform patches that they're going to be wearing and um in the years past when i've done it you know when it, when you make that turn onto market street from the staging area, the crowd is, it's so loud. You can't even hear yourself think Oh man. there's so many people on either side of the street, but there's a space for everybody to be able to see. And so I hope you get a chance to get down there on Sunday morning and witness that parade. Oh, for sure. I think I literally am volunteer. I'll be at the celebration site volunteering and then I'm volunteering in the VIP, uh, sponsor liaison Ooh. area. So yeah. So I get a, a little bit of everything. <clears throat> Very good. Well, take some time to walk around there, and it's, it, you know, I'll be curious to hear what you think about it. Definitely. It's pretty cool. <clears throat> uh, so you're also in school on top of three jobs and volunteering all over the place. Uh, you're headed back to school. Where are you going to go, and where are you going to study? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, how crazy is that? Uh, so my plan is to head back in the fall. Um, uh, I'm going back to Santa Rosa Junior College. Um, I'm really wanting to do their nutrition consultant um, program um, and just kind of move that. My whole goal is to kind of incorporate that's what I've learned at Face to Face and um, in the HIV community mm. um, and kind of being able to um, help. I don't know. I just want to be an advocate of helping people um, that are struggling in that community and knowing how to eat correctly and what to eat and that everybody's body's different and that you don't, and just because you have HIV doesn't mean your life is over by any means and that there are people out in the community, 
um, that you can lean on and support and offer support. So I'm hoping that I can be um, one of those people. Um, awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, pretty cool. So you're going to hopefully start in the fall. Correct. And <clears throat> that's a, how long is the program? Uh, I believe it's, I think it's a two, a two year program okay. um, from what I know. <clears throat> And so what's your vision with music? How does that fit into all of this? That is a great question. Um, so my music for me has just been a way of expressing, expressing my passion. Um, but since my, um, I've been working with Joshua Bailey, um, who has his uh, studios, and he's my singing coach. And so he kind of has a great idea of, of what he thinks I'm capable of and what I should strive for. But I've just kind of been open-minded um, and allowing him to kind of push me into that direction and um, not be too afraid to do things like this, which are so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have, you know, would have never thought to do this um, before if if i didn't have all of these people in my life that were helping me kind of push but for me for now music is just an outlet to to you know get out some of the stuff that's in there a little bit of balance between jobs and school and giving back to the community yeah Yeah. i think it's important you know uh you know working out staying healthy eating right um surrounding yourself with good people giving back to the community working and trying to make money and survive in california um, but definitely want some sort of healthy outlet that helps you feel, you yeah, know, good. heard, helps you find your voice. <clears throat> so as you look out five years from now, what do things look like for you? Mm, I really just hope that I can, I really just want to be an advocate out there for people to know that they're not alone in this world. And that, um, I just want, you know, I would like to have a space where I can release some content just so people can see, uh, the journey that I've been through and, and it's not going to be pretty, you know, there's going to be some great moments, but there's also going to be a lot of struggles, a lot of hard times. And I just want people to know that like, they're not alone and that someone else is going through there and that there's so much negativity in, in life and a lot of haters out there, but there is somebody like me who's, who really wants them to succeed, you know, who's rooting for them. And so I'm hoping that I can incorporate that with like actual education that I learned and keeping, uh, you know, people healthy and happy and um, being able to release content and and kind of practice what I preach as well. So I'm I'm right alongside with them. That's nice. kind of my goal. <clears throat> nice. So where can people find you? Uh, so I'm social media. Wise. Yeah. Yeah. So I am super um, I'm super amateur right now. Um, basically, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm on Facebook, <laughs> so that's about about it. Other than that, they can come in every Friday. I work at Face to Face, and I'm behind the front desk. So if they want to come by and say hi and get tested at the same time, um, my smiling face will be behind the counter um, to see them. But other than that, you know, um, through this journey, obviously, I'll be working through it and working with my mentors and figuring out a little Instagram site in the future. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Maybe a a website. Yeah. Yeah, YouTube. Yeah. The sky is the limit. Yeah. Let's get cracking. (laughs) That's right. Let's get cracking. Time's a wasting. (laughs) Glenarius, thanks so much for coming in and thank you so much. Stepping up to the mic and, and celebrating pride with us. Absolutely. And I hope to see you out there. If I can find you amongst the million people that will be in San Francisco this weekend. Absolutely. I'll see you then. So stay with us. We'll be back with more right after this. There are more than 2,000 people living with HIV and AIDS in Sonoma County. 500 of them don't know they have it, so neither do their partners. 
If you've ever suspected you've been exposed to HIV and want to know whether you're carrying the virus that could lead to AIDS, there's a place you can be tested for free, confidentially, and anonymously with results in just 20 minutes. Call face-to-face at 544-1581 or visit f2f.org. We want you to know your status. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat News in Depth here on KRCB-FM Radio 91. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, hopefully this month you're out celebrating pride and finding connection with our community. Historically, meeting other LGBTQ people took place in bars and more recently online. But our next guest has created a different kind of space that's less focused on alcohol and drinking or just hooking up. It's a social club called The Academy, and it's located in the heart of San Francisco's gay community, the Castro. With us now is Nate Borg, one of The Academy's founders. Nate, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's, it's good to be with you. Well, I'm excited to talk about The Academy. I've heard a lot about it from people, uh, particularly some friends that live in the Castro, but tell us a little bit about uh, where the idea came from and how you got involved. Yeah, so Paul Miller is my um, business partner, and at the time, we, we didn't know each other. Um, we weren't very close. We've become friends since, of course. Um, but he found this space in the Castro at 2166 Market, um, has kind of a, an interesting history. It used to be a, a gay bar in the '70s called the Balcony. Um, a lot of older people know that you know that space, and it, it had sort of a, a notorious um, history to it. And we went inside and just were were really excited about the possibilities. It's all these different rooms and a basement level and an outdoor space. So, so the space itself really inspired us to to get started. And you know, Paul is kind of one of those charismatic people that really naturally brings people together. He, he'd owned bars and clubs before. Um, I was working in the nonprofit space, but just amongst my group of friends, we, you know, we would get together and cram ourselves into somebody's tiny little apartment to have game nights or, or watch movies together. And, and, you know, we just realized that there was a need for spaces that um, could allow people to get together and, and interact in a more meaningful way instead of just, you know, fighting to get to the bar to, to have a drink. And um, so we thought there was a need for it in the neighborhood, and, and that's how it all developed. Interesting. So I'm intrigued a little bit about the history of the space. You said it has sort of a, an interesting past. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, well, there's unfortunately not enough history of, of it, but we with the, uh, the really great historical society in, in San Francisco, the LGBT Historical Society gave us some access to some old photos. Um, so it's really cool. You can see when it, w- when it was the balcony, it was this bar that, you know, from what I've heard, people would come to after like a whole weekend of, of partying in San Francisco and that scene um, and, and hanging out like on Sunday afternoon and the whole, the whole front of the space was open. So there's really great photos that we're getting framed that, you know, show the short shorts and the mustaches and that whole thing. Is, is. <laughs> okay, I've got the image. I've got the image now. I wish uh, I had a time machine back. Yeah, it would be a fun time to experience for sure. Uh, you know, that you mentioned the, the bar scene, and that has always been sort of the center of connection and the social life prior to Grinder and Scruff and all the mobile apps in terms of how people meet. But it, I think as you alluded to, it does have some limitations, and it's all really centered around alcohol. And so if you don't drink and you're looking for a space, it sounds like the Academy might have something to offer you. Yeah. You know, we actually have a discussion group about Grindr and, and the dating apps and, and how 
it can be difficult to to meet people in person and and how the the bar culture is kind of commingled with the online culture and you may be talking to somebody online that if you see them in a bar and it's really crowded you wouldn't actually even say hi to them and i've always found that really funny that you, you can message somebody on an app but would have trouble really connecting with them in person and i think our space really helps counteract that um you know, we don't. We of course we allow you to use your phone in the club. I mean, that's that's not something that we really think too much about. But the way our whole space is set up is it really encourages interaction. You know, it's, it looks more like a living room, whereas you go into some, of course, bars, but also even other private clubs where you you see a, a, a lot of little separated cubicles or or booths or tables, and and so people are there with their friends, but they're not necessarily interacting with each other. And that, that was something that we really wanted to, to help counteract with just the way we set up the layout of our space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds really, really cool. So how large is the organization now? Yeah, so we're excited that we just passed um, in the last month or so 300 members, which really was an initial goal of ours to see, okay, when we get to 300 is that going to mean that we have to cap things? Because our, our space is not large. Um, thankfully, though, we, we've found that the way our members use the club and, and the amount of hours that we're open and the variety of events, we, we're not yet at the point where we're finding that it's getting too, too crowded. Um, and so we would like to continue to expand. We really want to have more um, women join the club. That, that's one area that I think we could we could do better in terms of representation, um, gender in general, you know, um, women and, and transgender people and non-binary. So it's, it's, uh, it's an area that we've, I think, gotten better at with our programming in terms of guest speakers and people we've brought in to, to be a part of our activities and our events. But our membership definitely could continue growing and, and becoming more diverse in, in terms of gender. So what does the demographic look like now? Is it primarily gay men? Yeah, honestly, it is. You know, when you <laughs> a club opened in the Castro by two gay men, I think it's sort of that's how it started, and that's kind of how it initially developed. Sure. With, uh, but we're certainly open to everyone. We do have straight uh, members, and we have, like I said, women members who <clears throat> who um, are, are really great. And you know, one of our one of our women members was interviewed by the Bay Area Reporter last week, and, and she actually said that she's she's one of our favorites you know she's she's best friends with everybody there but when she first came as a visitor she wasn't sure she would be welcome and and so that's something that now we kind of laugh about but it's also really telling that when you go into a space and you don't see yourself as represented as other people then the, the, the people it's really the onus is on us to make somebody feel welcome if they're not quite as represented as uh you know their group whether that be their their gender or their age or their race or anything um so so we're quite um ambitious about how we want to grow the club in terms of diversity excellent Uh, but but with age age is an area that i think we're doing really well where we have our youngest member is i think 22 and our oldest member is in in his early 70s Uh, so great that's an i think makes us unique that you wouldn't necessarily find out at the the gay bars they tend to be a little bit separated uh generationally speaking oh most definitely and i think there's a lot of uh, ethnic and racial separation that takes place as well as evidenced by you know the nights it's latin night it's asian night it's you know x night uh 
how integrated right. racially and ethnically is the membership? Yeah, um, I think that we, in terms of the broader picture of San Francisco, I'd say we are we are much more diverse um, in our membership. Um, again, just just looking at the challenges that the, the city in general faces in that in that regard, I think that 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 could be a much larger conversation about affordability and housing and um, things that that are systemic. Um, so, again, one of our goals as we grow our membership is to just keep setting the bar higher and higher as, as far as how diverse are we and what does our, our club membership really look like as a, as a cross-section of society. Um, so we feel good about it, but we always want to do better. Sure. And I, I would imagine it's a particularly attractive space for all the newcomers, the dot-comers. I mean, the city's attracting a lot of particularly young people um, who can who can afford it. Uh, to come and so as again an alternative to going to a bar to meet people and form friendships this is a nice spot yeah it's a nice spot i mean we've we've seen interest in including not just for memberships but for private events i mean we've had all the big names of you know what you would consider the big tech giants in in the bay area have have all done at least anything from a small event to a large event with us. So, so private events is, is an area that we also explore too with our space. Um, but you know, it's, even though there are people with money, I mean, you think about all the new millionaires that are being formed right now with, with these IPOs happening, um, in the city and with the different companies, it's great, but we didn't set out to attract necessarily those people. We, we wanted to make this a neighborhood thing that was available to anyone. Um, and and that's really a goal that we're going to stick to. Um, of course, we're we're a small business. You know, we have bills to pay and rent to pay. But um, our whole philosophy is really centered around making it accessible and not not being this pricey, exclusive institution, but really just a um, a fun space where people can can gather. My my background is in. I've been a music teacher. I've worked for as a nonprofit administrator. Did marketing for the the symphony and. And now I'm a small business owner, so you know I, I just can't relate as much to people who who have a lot of wealth. Um, if, you know, if I was in, if my goal in life was to be rich, then I, I certainly have picked the wrong path. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it sounds like you're able to use a lot of your prior experience and talents to really build uh, to build this organization. Talk about what a what a typical month of activities looks like. Yeah, yeah. So we are open Tuesday night. This is currently, and we, we may expand in the future, but right now we're open Tuesday through Saturday evening. And almost every night we're open, there's some activity going on. I had, I had a really good time at our new um, poker club last night. We uh, None of us knew a lot of how to play, actually, so um, we didn't play for money or anything like that, but we were just kind of learning the rules and talking trash, and it, it, that was really a lot of fun. So we do, we'll do anything from small things like that or the book club we have or the um, discussion group about sexuality that I mentioned. And then we also have larger events that every first Friday of the month we do a big social mixer and really encourage our, our newer members to come down and, and engage with that. Um, we have classes like drawing class and painting class. And um, one of our most popular things is our, our wine tasting that we call Academy of Wine. Um, where we bring in this really great sommelier named Michael Wells, and that always sells out. Uh, it's, it's a really popular event. 
Wow, it sounds like there's a lot of different kinds of things going on there. I, I, I've heard that there's a barbershop there. Yeah, there's a barbershop. That's another thing that makes the membership, I think, have a lot of value is, is uh, depending on the level of membership that you sign up for, you can either get one or two services for free um, per month through, through our two uh, barbers that we have. They lease out the, the space from us and, and take their own private clients as well. Um, I should say it's, it's open to the public, but just by appointment. So they take their own clients, but then our members can also make appointments. Um, and it's right in the front window. That's how a lot of people know the academy is they pass by and they say, oh, I think it's a barbershop, but I don't, I don't know what else. Um, so I'm happy to be here talking about what else we do besides that. Yeah, it's real. I would not have anticipated that type of a partnership um, in a in a social organization. Uh, so I do. I think that makes it super unique. Um, yeah, again, I'm informed by the space. You know, if you if you walk by, excuse me, there there's this probably hundred or so square foot front window, and so it's two. It's a room. You know, it's not a front window as you would typically see in a retail shop. It's much bigger than that. So we wanted to have a unique use for it. And that, that's sure. where the barber idea. Sure. So talk about what a typical membership then uh, runs. How much does it cost to get in initially? If there's, is there an initiation fee? And then what is the ongoing uh, membership? Yeah, there is a, an initiation fee and then there's a monthly fee. Um, so a hundred dollars is the initiation and, and the monthly is $99. Um, like I said, that includes a, a haircut it includes um, most of our programming. The, the only thing I think that I mentioned when I listed off those events we do just a minute ago, the only thing that costs a little bit more is the wine tasting. Um, you know, we tend we hire the sommelier, we bring in some really nice uh, selections, and but for our members, it's like twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so again, even if something has a little bit of an added cost, that's rare, and it's it's there's going to be value built into that. Um, so. All of our events, except for those few exceptions, are free for members. Um, we have refreshments always on hand that are complimentary. It's really different than a, than a traditional private club where, you know, you go in and you've, you've paid to walk in the door, but then from there, everything also is going to be very expensive, you know, your food or your drinks. Um, we don't even have a kitchen. We, we don't serve food. So our members can either have something delivered or bring it in or we are working on some partnerships that in the future we might be able to offer um, some food selections just like pre-made, but that is a ways off at this point. So I read in the Bay Area Reporter article, there was some criticism or at least some comment about, you know, this is an exclusive club and, and it's excluding certain populations within the community. But you know, you have bills to pay too, and, and the rent on Market Street there cannot be cheap. Um, how do you balance providing an inclusive space for a variety of different people um, with paying the bills? Yeah, we do have bills to pay. Like I said, you know, we're a small business. Um, we come at this from certainly not an angle of, of trying to, to have the richest, most exclusive club in, in San Francisco. I think that those those are already existing. You know, those already happen and, and are downtown and in Pack Heights. And there's there's plenty of other, um, you know, you can read about those in the, the New York Times article that we were included in, um, which was, was great to be included. But I, we couldn't be more different than um, those other places and establishments. 
our membership again starts at 99 a month and includes so many things. I really feel like there's a, there's a great value to that. Um, we also have different ways that we can we can discount the membership for um, for certain groups of people. We have a neighborhood partnership program, so we work with merchants in the area where we promote their business and they provide us with uh, they provide our members that is with certain perks. Um, so merchants that participate in that program get a pretty hefty discount on membership. Um, it's kind of our, our way of a nod to other small business owners and supporting each other. Um, in particular, we really like to reach out to artists and because um, we change the art quite often in our in our space. Um, so artists and people in the nonprofit world. And we have you know what we call scholarships that we'll offer too. So so we always want to make membership available for those who are really interested in in what we do. Yeah, I I mean my reaction to that article and to what you're saying is that, you know, it's, it doesn't sound exclusive at all. If you go to a bar, you're going to spend money on drinks. If you're going to go to a restaurant, you're going to buy food. There is a cost of going out and socializing and being in that kind of environment. Um, and you're offering a space to people that is charging what it needs to survive as a small boat business owner. It doesn't sound exclusive yeah. at all. Yeah. I thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And I think sometimes it's just a perception versus reality. And, and I understand where those people are coming from. I, I might have the same initial perception if I just heard about the Academy and I wasn't involved with it. So I haven't been shy about, you know, when I see comments like that, I'll, I'll just reach out and say, Hey, you know, this is what we do. And I would love to talk to you and, and show you around and, and talk more about our, our memberships and, what's involved with it. And, and I, I, I take a very kind of proactive approach to any, anybody who has feedback like that, because again, I, from where I've come from, I understand how somebody could have that, that perception. Mm-hmm. But what we want to do is really show them. And, and if it means that they're still not interested, then that's okay. We, we don't have to have to be a place for everyone, but we want to at least be available to everybody who's interested. Sure. And I, I think the other thing that's interesting is that you're filling a space, you're, you're bringing a draw into a neighborhood that's got a lot of vacant spaces around it. It certainly does, yeah. That, that is one of our, our biggest concerns about the neighborhood is, you know, I, I think that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of reasons why that exists. Um, but one thing, thankfully, the supervisor... Um, Raphael Mandelman, who's the supervisor for District 8, has created some some zoning changes that are going to take effect in the next several months, which we will benefit from because um, we do want to expand to the upper level of our building. But also, these vacant retail storefronts, and some of them are in brand new buildings, and they've never had a tenant since these, these high-rises were built. Wow. It's really terrible. So there's just, right now, there are certain types of businesses that really would serve neighbor, the neighborhood well, like nonprofit headquarters or general entertainment or different restaurants and bars that have a lot of trouble opening or they're just not even allowed to open. They're not permitted. So thankfully we're going to see those restrictions removed and hopefully a lot of these spaces in turn will, um, will fill up. And, and of course the landlords need to not be greedy about the rents that they're charging and they need to be reasonable and, and allow for tenants to move and who can, who can actually afford to open up a business so you were talking uh, earlier about engaging with local nonprofits and making the space available to 
uh, nonprofits and other community organizations. Tell us more about how you do that. Yeah, so we we do have private events, like I said, um, and so if a nonprofit has you know a need for a space to hold a fundraiser or, or a meeting or something like that, um, we we provide our space for free for that. So I, I, wow. I think it's hard to find spaces, and you know we've, we're constantly approached by organizations that need a place to do an event. Um, so we're happy to to provide that, and, and now that we're going to have our outdoor terrace open soon. Um, that'll be another possibility for for a place for nonprofits to gather. But what we really like to do is not necessarily those private events, but collaborate and, and bring our members into it and have sort of these co-sponsored events. We've worked with the SF AIDS Foundation, um, organization called Impulse SF that talk, deals with sexual and mental health. Um, we've worked with the HRC kind of on the national level. We've had we've had events um, a couple times with them and those are always really great because it's it's a way for the organizations themselves to maybe bring in more interest and our, our members tend to want to get involved um but it, and it's a good it's a good kind of a mixer you know a blend of of people from different backgrounds and and uh, a way of spreading their message and and we have a lot of fun working with organizations like that great well there's certainly a shortage of meeting space that's for sure and you know, nonprofits don't have a lot of money to spend on rent, so it's a wonderful gesture that you're making. So as you look out five years from now, you know, what does the Academy look like? Well, back to what you were saying before and we were talking about these vacancies, I can't help but envision the future of the Academy without taking into consideration the the surrounding area and sort of the context that we're in. So just in, in the neighborhood and in San Francisco in five years, I would I would love to see our block of the Castro and, and the, the Castro in general just thriving more than it is right now. I, I would love to see the people who are struggling with with their um, mental illness and homelessness and drugs um, get help and treatment and, and more of these navigation centers open to, to help people in, that are struggling. Um, I want to see all these vacant storefronts filled with, with uh, thriving businesses and, and our building that we're in. Um, I hope that we're there forever. You know, I do. I do think that we want to expand to different locations, maybe different cities too. But we love where we are right now, and, and we we want to continue to grow and expand there, and 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 really continue to thrive. Yeah, I was going to say it. It sounds to me like this is an idea and a concept that's ripe for multiple neighborhood locations. I mean, part of the draw, I think, is to have an, a close neighborhood location that you can walk to and to connect with people that live in your neighborhood, not that someone would necessarily want or have to drive, let's say, from the south of Market area up to your location on Market. It'd be great to have a neighborhood academy location there in the Mission or South of Market area, right? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think I think that it is a neighborhood. I call it a neighborhood social club, so uh, really, my terminology is really in line with what you just said, yeah. and, and I do agree. Yeah, I, I really like the idea. Um, I think it's I think it's really cool, and I liked it when I first heard about it. And uh, I think it's a brilliant business uh, business concept for sure. Where can people go to learn about uh, the organization and potentially apply for membership? Yeah, thank you. So we're we're in all the usual places. We're on social media: Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. And our website is academy-sf.com. Great. We've been talking with Nate Borg from The Academy, located in the Castro. Nate, congratulations on a great business, and much luck to you in the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. 
And that brings us to the end of our hour. Don't forget, next week is San Francisco Pride. The festival at the Civic Center Plaza opens at noon on Saturday, and the annual Pride Parade starts at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday on Market Street from Embarcadero to Civic Center. Public transportation is definitely the best way to get there. Golden Gate Ferry is offering extra boats to get you to the city in time for the parade. You can find more details about San Francisco Pride and how to get there on our website at outbeatnews.com. Tune in next Sunday night as our celebration of Pride continues with the second part of our five-part series with Making Gay History and its founder, acclaimed author Eric Marcus. This episode will feature interviews Eric conducted with several Stonewall-era icons. So tune in on your way back from San Francisco Pride next Sunday night at 8 p.m., and that's only here on KRCB-FM Radio 91. In the meantime, happy Pride, everyone, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. Podcasts of our programs are available for on-demand play on our website at outbeatnews.com and on iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates from Outbeat Radio News all month long. Broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we can walk it out. Move mountains, we can walk it out and Bring it to his feet